I think she's actually getting pumped up. You want to know the truth? She's getting pumped up. You understand? She's getting pumped up for Wednesday night. We're like athletes, right? Hey, we're like athletes, right? So athletes, they make them take a drug test. I think we should take a drug test prior to the debate. I do. Why don't we do that? We should take a drug test prior, because I don't know what's going on with her. We should take drugs. We should take drugs. We should take drugs. 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 Welcome to Election Profit Makers, a guide to winning and losing money on the 2016 campaign using online prediction markets. It's October 17th. This is the 13th of 17 episodes in our limited podcast series. I'm David Reese, and I'm joined by my childhood friend, John Kimball. Hi, John. Hey, David. How are you doing? I'm good. It's nice to talk to you. You too. Let's jump right in. A lot has happened in the past week, and I wanted to start by addressing this Saturday night firebombing of the North Carolina GOP field office. Now, I mention this because it concerns North Carolina, which is where John and I are both from. It also concerns the election, which is obviously interesting to us. It's also an act of political, I don't know, would you call it political terrorism? The message on the side of the building said, Nazi Republicans leave town or else. I guess technically it's terrorism, right? Potentially, yeah. So I made a donation last night. Somebody started a GoFundMe campaign for Democrats or lefties to donate money to reopen the office. And I made a donation. I thought, I don't know, whatever. It's a nice gesture. John, I woke up this morning to a text from you that said, what are you doing? Don't donate money to the North Carolina Republican Party. I also had a lot of responses on Twitter saying, why did you donate to white supremacists? And now I'm feeling like, was I being too goopy and emo by giving money to a state? I mean, I'm no fan of the North Carolina Republican Party. They've engaged in systematic voter suppression. I think Pat McCrory is a ghoul, the Republican governor of North Carolina. What do you think, John? Did I make a mistake? I think the gamer gators would probably say what you were doing last night was virtue signaling. Oh. Going out there and sort of showing that you really care. Right. But I, I'm not going to judge you by giving money. I wasn't going to give money. They've got insurance, <laughs> I assume. And I, don't, I wouldn't expect them to give money to the Democrats. I guess it was virtue signaling, but it felt like a... Del- I like that it was like a systematic, organized virtue signaling that I can only assume will drive the North Carolina GOP up the wall. You know? Like, I like if I can make everyone think I'm a nice person and also stick it to my enemies by annoying the shit out of them with my virtue, which I guess is what I was hoping it would do by being a Democrat who donates to this Republican office as a very deliberate fuck you to the type of tone and and, and sore loserness and... Uh, scorched earth policy that Donald Trump is engaging in. It was an act of virtue done out of spite. Starley has characterized it perfectly. Ah, nice. Yeah. It's the best of both worlds. It's spaghetti and ice cream, both at the same time. Speaking of mouths, before we started recording, um, John, you were talking about how small your mouth is, and you're worried that your tongue is too big for your mouth, and that's why you hit those words like debate. What's going on with your mouth size? I don't know. I, d- I don't know if that's the case or not. You know, next time I go to the dentist, I will ask. What will you ask? Pretend I'll be the dentist. Hello, John's good to see you again. <laughs> Any issues or concerns with your oral hygiene, son? Uh, no, but I, I am, have some questions about my um, speech patterns. Do you, 
have any theory on why I might speak this way and really enunciate my T's and my well, let's. I'm sorry. Go ahead, son. Uh, well, does it have anything to do with the size of my mouth or the shape of my teeth or anything like that? Sir, I can help. I can help you with that, John. I'm just going to take this caliper, open up wide. I'm going to measure the interior of your mouth. And now, yeah, sure enough, what I'm seeing is the mouth of an 11-year-old in the body of a 45-year-old. Son, this mouth's just about as small as it can get. No wonder you're having all these problems and so many people who listen to your little radio show complain about how you say debate. Son, there's just too many consonants in these words to fit in this tiny-ass mouth of yours. You know, you sound just like a North Carolina dentist. Well, I grew up with North Carolina dentists and North Carolina orthodontists. Did you have Dr. Frick or Dr. Davis? No, I had Dr. Frick. I also had Dr. Mazza. Well, I had Dr. Frick for orthodonty, orthodontery, and I had Dr. Mazza for uh, regular dentistry. They were uh. both great dentists, and they both had great kind of like soft Piedmont, North Carolina accent. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I had Dr. Layton and Dr. Frick. Hi, David. Good to see you. How's everything going? Now we got to do some fluoride treatment. What a wonderful way to begin our podcast. <laughs> John, it's the state of the race. What is going on in this cockamamie election, my friend? Okay, well, it's been a week since we've done an episode, and in the last week, Trump was accused of sexual assault and or misconduct by, I don't know, is it 9, 10, 12 different women now, right? I think we're holding steady at 9. We never got the huge flood that I was expecting, and I have to say, secretly hoping for. I thought once the trickle began, we would be like a Bill Cosby situation where all of a sudden there would be 600 women saying, yeah, that happened to me. That happened to me. Yeah. But he has responded in denying the claims, saying it was a media Hillary conspiracy against him, calling in some of the cases the women ugly. Classic virtue signaling from exactly. Donald Trump. This woman, just look at her. I would, she wouldn't be my first choice. Believe me. All right. Enough with the virtue signaling. You little angel, come on. Right. He, he, and then he also talked about how Hillary, he's not impressed with Hillary Clinton's body either. <laughs> Faces. Are you okay over there, Starly? Starly is not happy with this. <laughs> She's like shivering. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was not a fun week to watch him. Then he's ratcheted up his uh, rhetoric on the stolen election again, saying it's being rigged. And when his surrogates came out and suggested he was wasn't talking about the sanctity of the vote and that he may just be talking about the media. He made sure to come out and confirm that, yeah, he's talking about the media, but he is also talking about the actual vote and it being stolen that way as well. And then I think the last thing he did was he accused Hillary of uh, taking performance-enhancing drugs and said that they should be drug-tested before the next de debate. Is that enough that happened? Yeah, I think that's enough for... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that. that's enough. I don't know. Does it feel like there's not enough happening in this election? I, I can't believe. We've, we have three weeks. And how are you feeling overall? Do you still think betting on Clinton being the president is a safe bet? Yes. Okay. Now I'm looking. I'm getting so depressed looking at my portfolio. Last week, I was on such a high. I f was just feeling wonderful. This week, I'm getting crushed out here. I've completely misjudged what's happening in this election. I went from, from a feeling of absolute wisdom and confidence to a feeling of just despondency. What happened? What, what, what did you invest in? 
Man, everything I, I'm seeing nothing but red numbers here. This is horrible. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Okay, let's start with this market. This is a market you told me never to get involved in, and I just got involved in it because I was feeling overconfident. How many totally false statements will Trump make in October? You know what I'm talking about. The PolitiFact pants on right. fire statement count. I bet that Trump would make five or more. Okay, that's bracket number one. Because by the time I invested... A few days ago, he was already at three. I was like, all right, he's more than halfway there and the month's not halfway over. And I know as this election gets closer and closer, he's going to start saying more and more outlandish things. Well, this is what's tricky about this market. You know, PolitiFact has different levels of truth or falsity, right? It's very subtle. And it goes everywhere from, you know, absolutely true, mostly true, somewhat true, blah, blah, blah. And then the worst is pants on fire. A, a, a grading from which no politician and, na and no human can recover. Your pants are on fire. <laughs> liar, liar, your pants are ablaze, right? And so this market says that if Trump says five or more pants on fire, like absolutely false. Like the last one that they gave pants on fire to was Trump saying, we don't have any chess grandmasters in the United States. That was, that was rated pants on fire by PolitiFact.com because we do have chess grandmasters of the United States. Here's the problem. It's up to the sole discretion of PolitiFact as to what rates as a pants on fire moment. And this is just like the polling markets. Like if you're looking at the RCP polling average and like as John has explained, you don't know what polls they're going to include or dump from any week's polling average. Pants on fire market, the totally false statement market, you're kind of subject to the whims of PolitiFact. This morning, I thought I read that they were going to issue a pants on fire rating to him saying the election was rigged. But maybe that was a street rumor because I'm on PolitiFact right now, hitting refresh like a total fiend, looking for that pants on fire, which would be number four, and basically give me a lock on this contract. But I think it's still only three for the month. Hmm. So I'm underwater on, on totally false statement market. Then we move down to... Which party will win Iowa? I'm still betting Republican on that one. This has been all over the place because Trump still leads in all polls of Iowa. 538. You know what? I'm going to be, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm not going to make any jokes. I'm just going to say 538 says that it's likely that Clinton will, will win Iowa. I don't know. I'm still down in the Iowa market. What do you think about that one, John? How are you feeling about Iowa? I think Iowa's going to be really, really close. I felt better about Iowa last week as it looked like the polling was heading towards eight, nine, ten points. Um, it, it looks like things have stabilized a bit. And yeah, 538 is showing that Hillary is more likely to win in Iowa, but the real clear politics average still shows Trump, I think, ahead by three points or so. Trump is going to win Iowa, and I'm going to make money on that. I'm sorry. No one cares about these sexual alley. I mean, women care, and normal humans care. But if you're already locked in and you've decided you're going to vote for Trump, and you think that Hillary Clinton is a stooge of Sharia socialists, or, you know, and has been killing people left and right and like doing pay for play and all these conspiracy theories like what do you care about some sex abuse allegation from 20 years ago well, i don't mean to sound gross but i think that's people's mindset okay well i see what you're saying but it, it's it's more a matter of turnout you just could have depressed turnout because of that so maybe people don't change their vote but they could stay home and you start to get some really strange results when that happens now, here's the other huge miscalculation I made in the wake of the initial uh, release of the uh, Billy Bush hmm. bus sexual assault bragging video. 
Will Pence drop out by October 31st? I'm, so, I'm sitting on such a huge money pit with this. I still have my 250 shares and I'm $16 underwater. John, what is it going to take to get Mike Pence to drop out of this damn election so I can make my money? He's not dropping out. He, he just can't. Why not, man? He's already disagreeing with Trump about Russia and Syria. He's disagreeing with Trump about whether this election is rigged. What is it going to take? It, I mean, for one thing, he, he doesn't want to drop out just in case Trump drops out. So then he becomes the man. So he's hanging on for that reason alone. But he's going he's gonna to be crucified if he drops out. They'll never forgive him. Who, who will never the, forgive him? The, the Republican base that is still completely on board with Trump. All right. So it's gut check time. I have 250 shares of Mike Pence dropping out by October 31st. I paid 12 cents a share. I'm currently down $16. So I just get out. People are buying yes at 7 cents. Yeah, I'd get out. I bought a lot. Get out. Really? Yeah. You're guaranteeing me that Mike Pence is going to stay on the ticket until October 31st? Yeah, I mean, what, what, what could come out that would suddenly make Mike Pence decide to get out? What if Trump lashes out at Mike Pence? Like he's lashing out at Paul Ryan. Because he's, like al- he, 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 more- he's already lashed out at Pence. He said, I, I don't agree, you know, I haven't talked to Pence and I disagree with him. And then Pence went on TV and, and basically lied and said, yeah, that was never my position. Pence is incredible. Do you love Mike Pence? I, I do love him because he made me $1,300 one week. But other than that, he is gross. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you one thing. He didn't do that for me. He didn't do anything close to that. Sorry. I'm losing money on this idiot, Mike Pence. I'm pissed at Mike Pence right now. I wish he would drop out. I wish he would be a man of principle and drop out so I can make my money. You know? Why can't Mike Pence do some virtue signaling? (laughs) Why can't Mike Pence go out on Twitter and say, you know what, guys? I'm such a feminist, and I'm so woke, (laughs) and I, I have the right position on all these issues. And I want to play video games made by female video game developers that are all about feelings and knitting. And I can't stand to be on this ticket with Donald Trump. And I'm dropping out. David Reese, I hope you're happy. Hashtag make him money. Hashtag kid Midas from Mike Pence. Why can't Mike Pence do something like that once? <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. Mike Pence doesn't agree with Donald Trump on foreign policy, right? I have no idea. I don't know what Donald Trump believes on foreign policy. Well, you know, you know what Dr. Jill Stein said. You know who Dr. Jill Stein is, John? She's the Green Party candidate for president. Yeah, yeah. She said that she would rather have Trump than Clinton because Clinton is more likely to start a nuclear war. Yeah, yeah. That that I believe that. Yeah, you believe that? Yeah, no, I don't. I definitely do not believe that. Oh, man. I can't believe how many third-party candidates I voted for over my life. Really? I voted for Ross Perot. I voted for Ross Perot in two elections. No, dude. you didn't. Yes, I did in 92 and 96. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, I voted for Perot in 92 because I wanted to send a message that the two-party system was coming to an oh end. Oh, my God. So I voted for Ross Perot. That's embarrassing, man. And then in 96, I wanted to send the same message because I realized I didn't hear it the first time I sent that message, so I did it again. And then in 2000, I voted for Ralph Nader. Uh, and so I voted, yeah, three year, three elections in a row. I voted for the third party candidate. Good job. Made a big difference. When I voted for Perot in 92, I was still registered. I was in college in Ohio, but I was still registered in North Carolina because I wanted to vote against Jesse Helms. Okay. He was just too feminist for me and he was too racially progressive. And I just felt like he was too far ahead of his time and it, and it made me look bad. You know what I mean? 
So I stayed registered in North Carolina in 92 to vote against Jesse Helms. Who did Jesse Helms run against in 92? Harvey Gantt. I voted for Harvey Gantt in 92. And then in 96, I think I was still registered in North Carolina. In 2000, I was registered in New York. So I was like, 2000, I can vote for Ralph Nader in New York, right? I mean, come on. Um, but I don't think I'm going to vote for Jill Stein this year. I think I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm going to wait until four years from now to send a message to America's political system that we need more than two parties. But I will send that message in four years. I'm definitely going to vote for a third party candidate in four years. That's my guarantee. If Jill Stein is running for re-election in four years. Oh, but that's, that's interesting, though. If Jill Stein won, let's say Jill Stein wins the election. Third party, we have a third party we have a Green Party candidate who wins the election and is the new president. Now, f when she's up for re-election in four years and I want to protest the system, do I vote? Who do I vote for? Do I vote for the Republican to like really let people know that the system is messed up and we should always just do like the least effective thing? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if I vote for Jill Stein and she becomes president, I'm like, great, we sent a message to the establishment. We're going to upend everything. Everything's going to get all topsy-turvy and everyone's going to... It's going to be a grand uh, reordering of the American system. I can't vote for her again in four years because then I'm part of the I'm part of the system. Unless she's going to change the system so much that in four years will just be a completely new system, and I don't even know what we do. Maybe we just throw beads up in the air and see and see the patterns they fall in, and that's how we choose our new parliamentary, you know, leader or something like that, right? Anyway, something interesting to chew on, ladies and gentlemen, while you're managing your predicted.org portfolios. John, what do you have going on in your portfolio? How have the week's events affected your portfolio? Yeah, earlier in the week, my, my portfolio was way up. My gain-loss line was showing like plus seven, eight hundred. Now it's at plus five hundred. So it, it, everything seems to have fallen back down a little bit. In terms of the contracts that I bought into this week, I've gotten into the negative risk on the margin of victory in the popular vote. And I'm starting to build a position there. So that's just going to take time. God, what happened? My gain-loss line late last week, maybe about Thursday or Friday of last week, I was up 25% overall. I was showing a 25% return on my investment, which was fantastic. And I was feeling so footloose and fancy-free and so flush. And now my gain-loss line is plus $1.65. What happened? This makes me so mad. It's all right. It's not where it is now. It's where it is on election day. I mean, mine was showing negative 900 a few weeks ago. At the moment, it's showing plus 449. How am I going to have a gain-loss line that says $400? I only have $330 in this market. If, if that had happened, you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I would be in Jamaica enjoying my life because I would have <laughs> doubled my money. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was happy when I when my total investment, I had gone from $330 to $400. I felt like I had nurtured a very sick plant into, into robust, f the full flower. You're still going to get that, though, David. You just, you just got to be patient. With what money, John? I got all my money tied up in fucking Mike Pence dropping out. This Sell the Pence. Really get out of Mike Pence? I'll do it right now. Oh, but man, I would have made so much. Here's what's hard about letting go of something. When you look at how many shares you own, and then you fantasize about what would happen if it actually came true, I would make $250. Now predicted.org froze. Great. The conspiracy continues. Wonderful. 
Thank you, Black Lives Matter, for freezing my predicted.org account so I can't sell this. Thanks Don't worry about it. Sell it later. It's not a fast-moving market. Nobody is in Mike Pence, all right? John, it's time to thank our donors. Are you ready? I am ready. This is my favorite part of the podcast. Let's celebrate the generosity of our listeners who have sent money via PayPal to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We got a lot of donors to get through, so... Here we go. Thank you to Noah, second time donor. Thank you to Loring and Gill, who write that they're giving a $46 in memoriam gift for the money that their friend lost unpredicted. Craig writes, how much is a donation for free pencil sharpening? Craig, the current rate is $500 per pencil, so you got to donate $500. Thank you to Dan Miller. Oh, Dan was the director of Going Deep with David Reese. Shout out to Dan. Thank you to Greg, Adrian, and Jeff F. for their donations. Thank you to Weston. Now, Weston made a comedy donation, which I returned and banned him, and then he donated $100 plus three cents. So you know what? You're unbanned, my friend. Good job. You played the game correctly. Thank you to Stephen and Victoria who donated, and um, I gave them my wheelbarrow when I sold my house, and I hope you're enjoying that wheelbarrow. Uh, thank you to Sarah, who donates on behalf of Ryan Splitlog. Thank you to Douglas, Timothy, Robert from the UK. Thank you, Robert. And Matthew from Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you as well to Ryan. Thank you to Oscar, Justin, Jake in Boston, Jeff and his cats Millie and Laney. Thank you to Benjamin, the grad student. And thank you to Christopher, who donates with thanks to Peter. And thank you to Richard also. Richard wants to know what will Trump do after the election. John, what will he do after the election? Start a TV network that will hopefully fail. I don't see how it could fail since its demographic is going to be elderly white people. feels like money in the bank forever. Thank you to Paul, who's my former webmaster, the former webmaster for MNFTIU.cc. Good to hear from you. Thank you to Jeremiah. Thank you to Megan. And thank you as well to Cathartica from Canada. Thanks to two childhood friends, Tanner and Jim, who are wave riding together. Isn't that nice, John? Yeah. John, we got a donation from Daniel who sent this message. It's time to unshackle John. He's the real star of the podcast and the man we need in these <clears> times of trouble. John, do you feel like you are shackled or unshackled? We unshackled you, didn't we? Yeah, I'm unshackled. Yeah. I feel unshackled. Okay, good. Thank you to Margaret. Margaret is requesting that we do a new podcast when Election Profit Makers is done. The only podcast I'm going to do is a podcast where we just bet on the weather. I feel like that would be a great podcast. Uh, we also got a similar request from William from Scotland, along with his donation, asking what we're going to do when we're done with election profit makers. We got a donation from Jennifer, who donated in honor of her own birthday. Happy birthday to Jennifer, even though it was a few months ago. Thank you to Hannah. Thank you to John M. And thank you to Jessica, who donated as an anniversary gift for her husband, Matt. Happy anniversary to Jessica and Matt. Thank you to Austin nice. from Orlando. Yeah. Now, listen to this, John. This, this, this is the worst donation of all time. All this guy's trying to do is kick up a fuss. He writes, this donation is for Starly only. David and John are banned from using this money. P.S. Gainesville sucks. Come on, bro. Wow. I might return that donation. Where's that, where's that guy from? Where was that guy from? From Orlando. <laughs> and he's saying, and he's, he's saying, saying Gainesville, Gainesville sucks? sucks? I, would live in, I would live in Gainesville so much faster than I would live in Orlando. Come on. Can you think of a worse place than Orlando? <laughs> well, Jacksonville might be worse. I'm going to start calling it Borlando because it's so boring. <laughs> oh, sick burn. Orlando Chamber of Commerce, send us a donation or else I'm going to start saying that all the time. John, we have a uh, donation from Colin who's donated $16 as in keeping it 1600 That's a little, uh, little uh, I guess, a financial pun. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Getting dangerously into joke donation yeah, territory. Yeah, I think it is a joke. I think it is a joke donation, a comedy donation. 
Uh, thank you to Douglas. Thank you to Justin. Thank you to John P. And thank you to John S. We got a donation from Angelica who included a very complicated plan on how to continue our war of 538 and trick them, but it was so complicated I couldn't really wrap my head around it. And we got a donation from Matthew in Australia and then also from Alexis. And finally, John, we got a donation from Peggy and Eric. Now they asked, what is the secret to a lifelong friendship? Hmm. I don't know. What would you say, David? I would... I feel like you just have to like the person. Yeah, right? I don't know what the secret is. Starley asked if we have to put work into it. Not really. Time ti is time work. Yeah, I mean, you have to invest a little bit of time to to stay I'm in touch. Say this yeah, to Peggy and Eric. The only reason I'm doing this podcast is because <clears throat> it means that whenever I call Johnny, picks up the phone. Okay, because a lot of times before we were doing this podcast, I would call you and you just wouldn't pick up the phone, and I would leave you a voicemail message. So that's when I tricked you and I was like, yeah, let's do a podcast about predicted.org, whatever the fuck that is. Like, I, I don't even care about politics or the election or money, right? I can take it or leave right. it. Right. But I knew if we were doing a podcast, then you would have to talk to me. So I tricked you into maintaining our friendship. See how that works? No, it, it has worked. The secret to a lifelong friendship is to trick somebody into doing a podcast. Thanks for tricking me. It's good. You're welcome. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't answer a lot, but I would appreciate when you'd leave me a message. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it when I left you a message and you didn't call me back because that made me feel really good, too. Thank you to all our donors. We really do appreciate it. It makes our lives a little easier to have a little financial support from fans of Election Profit Makers. If you'd like to donate, time is running out. There's only a few more episodes left, but you can still get your donation in. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And for those of you who've been asking, yes, we are still working on our t-shirt and we really, really do hope to sell t-shirts to celebrate the end of the podcast and the end of this nightmare election. So more information about t-shirts very shortly. And for those of you who are asking, yes, I will finally someday release the theme music to Election Profit Makers as a standalone MP3 so you can rock out to it while you're lifting weights and eating drywall. Um, I just need to free up some time to finish the Election Profit Makers mixtape. It's going to be the hottest political podcast mixtape of all time. The streets are already buzzing. It's already going to guaranteed number one mixtape. Drake is going to be so jealous that he wasn't asked to do a guest verse on this mixtape. Sorry. When you got Alex Jones spitting fire on the mic, you don't have time for Drake. All right? That's just the way it is. John, it's time for listener questions. We got some great non-political listener questions, and we want to answer some of our favorites. Are you ready for the first question? Yep. This is from Jack. Jack says, this is a non-infrastructure, non-basketball question for John. John, what do you think happened to the folks at the Roanoke Colony? Here we go. The Lost Colony. I've been to that outdoor theater production when I was a kid. I'm excited. I've John, never... tell everybody what the... Okay, I'll tell everyone. Yeah, the Lost Colony, for those of you who don't know, was a failed first attempt at uh, settling an English colony in the new world and they brought 115 colonists over and they landed on Roanoke Island which is uh, in present-day North Carolina they landed here in 1587 they immediately had some skirmishes with the locals and John White who was the governor left his wife and daughter and his soon-to-be-born daughter Virginia Dare there and went back to get resupplies back in England and he got stuck over there because a war broke out between England and Spain and he didn't come back until three years later when he arrived the colonists had disappeared and the settlement 
had been shut down and there was nothing but the word Croatoan yes. scrawled into a tree. Oh, I get shivers when I hear that part. Yeah. Say the word again. Croatoan. Croatoan. Right. And what does that mean? Well, there was a tribe, a local tribe, the Croatoan, and they were on an island about 50 miles south of there, which was called Croatoan as well. And it's, it's known as Hatteras Island today. So people believe that this was a message that they had gone to that location. Now, some people think that they were slaughtered or uh, maybe the Spaniards came and, and killed them or something like that, but there was no evidence of that. So personally, I believe that they made it to Hatteras and ended up um, integrating with the, the tribe there. And in 19... What? You don't believe that? Well, why didn't they, well, why didn't they leave messages about that or write a diary or something? What, what do you mean? Like, leave paper? Yeah. Yeah, they had paper back then. No, that's not what they did. They just, they had, they, they had to leave quickly, okay? Wait a minute. You think the Lost Colony just went and moved in with the Native Americans and then just kept living their lives and never bothered to no. tell anybody? And when John Smith came back and he's like, where is everybody? All I got is this crazy word carved in a tree right. trunk. And they never went back to the left Hatteras Island to go explain to everybody where they had gone? Well, listen. It was a crazy time back in 1587 and 1590, I've heard. So, it wasn't that crazy. All right, so they went to Hatteras Island, and the reason why we know they got there is because in 1998, archaeologists from East Carolina found a 10-carat gold signet ring dating back to the 16th century. It had a family crest. It had a picture of a... Um, either a lion or a horse. You couldn't really tell, but it was from the 16th century, and it was clearly uh -huh. from uh, the, the Roanoke settlement. But it was at Hatteras where they found it. How do you know the Croatoan didn't come over and slaughter everybody and steal their jewelry and bring it back to their well, island? Because there, there is no record. I mean, the, the settlement had been just shut down. It wasn't like it, it hadn't been pillaged and plundered. Oh, I see. It had been like boarded up. I right. mean, it was like, right, I understand. Right. It was a deliberate act of shutting down the settlement rather than going crazy like in The Revenant when everything, they're shooting arrows at everybody and there's just bodies piling up. Leonardo DiCaprio's crawling at the camera for three hours straight. Right. So, so we, we don't know for certain that they made it to Hatteras, but we know that things that they owned made it there. But here, here's another reason that I believe this is a great book called A, uh, a New Voyage to Carolina. And uh, it was written by John Lawson. And it came out in 1709, I believe it was. And it was about Lawson's trip to the inner country of the Carolinas in the early 1700s. And he met with some of the tribes on Hatteras. And they had an oral history. And this is 115 years after the colonists disappeared. This, this uh, tribe had an oral history that um, they had mingled with white English settlers and that some people had gray eyes. So, again, that doesn't prove it, but it proves that, that, that it may have happened. <laughs> I didn't like that. Uh, what is Alex Jones's theory about what happened to the Lost Colony? I don't colony? know. You, you, you would probably okay. know more than me. Well, Jack, I hope that answered the shit out of your question. Um, now Jack has a question for me. 
Jack asked me, why were you banned from the UNC basketball message boards? <laughs> you intimated that it had something to do with Coca-Cola on, on my website, but I don't remember hearing the full story. <laughs> well, Jack. Okay. Wow. Jack's going way back. I don't even remember ever discussing this publicly. Getting yeah, banned. I can't believe he. How would but, he? Yeah, I know. I know the answer to this. Jack is a deep reader of Jack is a deep reader of uh, history. If he knows about when I got banned from the UNC basketball message boards, because that was, I don't even remember how many years ago that was. Do you know, remember when that many, was, John? Many, like fifteen years ago. It was like two thousand and six, I think. It was probably maybe ten years ago. Anyway, I was goofing off on the UNC basketball message boards i don't even remember why did i go on the message boards to begin with i remember my username was cato institute (laughs) the libertarian think tank i just thought that would be a cool username to be on message boards with so i was posting on the unc basketball message boards under the username cato institute this is what i remember what it was it was roy williams was doing those goofy coca-cola ads and it made me so mad because that basketball program is so... And this is even before all the academic scandals that came up in the last couple of years at UNC. Come on, UNC. Get it together. Well, Enough with these fake-ass classes. Fake tests and whatnot. Had nothing to do with Carolina basketball, though. But all it's all UNC athletics. Come on. You can't, you can't siphon out the sports that you like and put it on the sports you don't like, John. Right? I can. Okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, Roy Williams was doing these goofy ads for Coca-Cola. Do you remember those ads, yes, John? Yes. Wearing his dippy Carolina blue Argyle sweaters and being like, well, I'm Roy Williams. Wait, I, hold on. I'm Roy Williams. Wait, I'm Roy Williams. I'm Ro- Roy Williams. I can't do it now. You do it. I'm Roy Williams. Gosh darn it. No, I can't do it either. Roy, I'm Roy. I'm Roy. I'm Roy I'm Roy Williams. I love drinking Coca-Cola when I'm coaching my tar. Whatever. And I was like, this is so gross. Like, stop. Do we have to sweep up every single corporate dollar for our dumb? I mean, our yeah, I'll say it. Our dumb basketball program. Come on. They're already so flush with Nike money and now they need Coca-Cola. Anyway, so as you can tell, I was I had strong feelings about it and I started posting on the message board. I guess I was kind of. Tr- trolling Roy uh, about Coca-Cola. I was probably talking about, I mean, knowing me, I'm such a humorless lefty virtue signaler. I'm sure I was talking about like human rights abuses at Coca-Cola bottling plants in South America, whatever I was reading about in Counterpunch magazine back and, in the day and, or whatever, just trying to rain on everybody's that parade. Did, that didn't, like, somebody's enjoying something. That didn't go over well that, on Inside that Carolina? Cannot stand. <laughs> that What's didn't that? go over well on Inside Carolina? No, I got totally banned. Uh, and I, cause I, and they, yeah. So that was the last anyone heard of Cato Institute on the UNC basketball message boards. Okay. So thank you, Jack. Is, that was a delightful trip. Down is that why lane. you turned Let's into the bandmaster? Because you got banned. I never thought about that. Well, I never thought about that. And maybe that's the point that Jack is getting at in his question. How I have been. This, yeah, exactly. It's the cycle. It's the cycle of banishment. People get so mad at me for banning users on our podcast. It's only because I've internalized the pain of being banned myself on the internet, okay? So I'm lashing out and I'm trying to control this bad situation by doing it to other people. Totally healthy, right? Right. We do it with all the healthy good things in our lives, all the good behaviors, Right. right? So that's all I'm doing. So anyone who's mad at me for banning people... Go take it up with the UNC Basketball Message Board. Go talk to InsideCarolina.com. Ask what they did to user Cato Institute (laughs) just because he happened to bring up a couple politically problematic connections between Roy Williams and an academic institution and a serial human rights abuser, okay? It's not my fault.
I'm drinking Diet Coke right now. John. I know. How does it feel to drink the blood of all the innocents who were mowed down just for trying to organize a Coca-Cola bottling plant in some country somewhere that I read about a long I know. time ago? It's a, I know. Okay. I do. I actually am not happy that I do it. But John, I have a question from James. This is right up your alley, my friend. GoDaddy is urging me to register my .blog domains, and this seems like a dumb idea. What do you think the value of non.com domains actually is? I, I personally don't have a problem with non.coms, but I wouldn't use one um, because I think they lack authority. You know, when someone sees domain.com versus domain whatever it just makes it look like you were too late to the game or you were too cheap to get the default domain and the default domain is .com the other reason i don't like the the other extensions is they tend to bleed traffic and they bounce email as david who has a very very authoritative domain name for his website is um .cc. as david knows he, he, he that's the name don't yeah, wear it out he gets he gets email at that domain name as well but people will automatically send it to his alias at mnftiu.com and it bounces when that happens but because david has such a good friend i went out and secured that domain name the .com version so now he's he's okay but not everybody has somebody in the domain name industry to look out for them so anyway not everybody has a domain name guardian angel like I have in John Kimball. Right. So I, I would advise staying away from those other extensions in terms of building a website. They may have value in terms of if you're going to speculate and sell them later on to someone else. But uh, in terms of developing a, a site on them, I don't, I wouldn't do it. Well, let me ask you a question. I'm going to put this very delicately because this is going to be kind of a sensitive issue. John, you and I are not as young as we were 15 years mm -hmm. ago when you first got into the domain industry. Right. Maybe this is a generational thing, yeah. right? Maybe for someone who's your age, .com still means, oh, this is a real authoritative professional website. Maybe these kids today, I mean... With the music they listen to and the clothes they wear, maybe when they see a dot blog, they're like, "Yeah, man, it's all good. It's all the same. We don't even. I mean, they don't even go on websites anymore to begin with. They're all on Snapchat and and who knows what, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe your maybe your veneration of dot com TLDs, which TLD stands for top level domain, mm -hmm. right? Maybe that's the thing of the past. And maybe what James should do is register all dot blogs or all dot. I mean, what are the other ones? They, they give out dot anything these days. They're so loosey-goosey. Yeah, but these, do, dot these, blog with, is too is too specific. Why, why, why would you dot? Yeah, dot blog is kind of. Dot com at least is, is generic. Dot blog is terrible. Yeah, you would use a subdomain. What's the you most? You know, like blog.mnftiu u.cc or something like that that's that's what i would recommend i wouldn't recommend grabbing the dot blog unless you unless you're you you own the domain name whatever blog.com then maybe you grab whatever dot blog just as a defensive registration you love defensive registrations right not all of them but but in some cases yes okay and i, I recognize you're you're right. saying i'm not saying there's a right answer i'm just saying how i feel about it as a 44 year old old school dinosaur in the industry at this point. Right. You are a dot com dinosaur. Yep. Dot dinosaur. You should register John Kimball dot dinosaur. <laughs> do they have a, a do they have a dot dinosaur? Probably. 
John, guess what? We have another question. This one is from somebody named Brian. I wanted to start off with a trivia question for John. Dean Smith went to my high school for two years while his father was a teacher and basketball coach there. His father coached my high school to their last basketball state championship. What school did I go to? John, do you know the answer I to do. this? Emporia High School. Because that's where Dean Smith grew up. That's where his family was. And he went to school there I, for a few years, maybe. And I, that's kind of amazing that I knew his dad won the state championship there. It's kind of amazing that it was the last time they, they won. But yes, Dean went there and then they moved to Topeka and he graduated from T Topeka High School where he played on the football team and helped integrate the, the football team there, actually. And why don't you tell our listeners who Dean Smith was for those who don't know? Dean Smith was the greatest basketball coach of all time. <laughs> uh, you think, okay, he was the UNC men's basketball coach when, when John and I were in full flower in pre-adolescence and yeah, adolescence. I think he won the state championship in 1982. But I don't know. Some people would say Mike Krzyzewski is a better basketball coach. What did you I said say? State championship. Yeah, he, he, he won a couple of national championships. National championship. He was an incredible innovator and a very good person and a good liberal. Well, this gets to the second this gets to the second part of Brian's question. And then if I could get John's comments on Dean Smith being an innovator way ahead of his time and using advanced statistical analytics in basketball, that would be great. Uh, Brian, I have a feeling your wish is about to become true. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't <laughs> go ahead. John. A lot of people don't know that about Dean. I think they know that he was an innovator on the court in terms of the four corners offense, or timeouts after made baskets, huddling at the free throw, the run and jump defense, things like that. But Dean Smith was actually he was using points per possession statistical analysis back in 1959 and this was especially crucial back then because there was no shot clock so teams played at all sorts of paces and you couldn't judge efficiency by looking at raw numbers so you had to look at points and divide by chances now, dean was a math major at kansas so he was a pretty much total nerd genius and uh, that was an emphasis at Carolina, you know, in the when he took over coaching at Carolina, the the managers were responsible for keeping those stats as, as well. And of course, nowadays everybody uses those stats, and you can you can actually just get them online at Ken Pomeroy or Sagarin and stuff like that. But that was something Dean Smith was doing many, many, many years ago. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. John, we have a question from... I, I want to say one thing to Brian. Did you think John wasn't going to know where Dean Smith went to high school? Who is this guy? What podcast has he been listening to? Yeah. I mean, right, everybody John? knows, yeah, the history with Dean and Kansas. I mean, it's just... Yeah. I mean, not everyone, but... John, how, do, how much of that did you know? In terms of where he went to high school? Yeah, I knew yeah. where he went to high school. I had to look up when he started first using advanced statistics though the actual year right it was 1959 yep, you said 1959 we know that because he wrote a chapter for Don't he, <laughs> he he wrote a chapter for Sorry. frank mcguire who is the coach at carolina at the time on those statistics okay. so who is the closest in temperament and political sensitivity and analytic rigor would you say to dean smith i know it's not coach Roy williams mm-hmm 
Roy Williams is a total Republican, right? No, no, no. He's not? No, he voted for Obama. What about Krzyzewski? Total Republican. Uh, yeah, Krzyzewski is a hardcore Republican. But he, he actually came out yeah. against HB2 and, and all that, so I don't... He did? Yeah, he did, but he, he's been involved oh, in... Ro- like, he, he, he endorsed Elizabeth Dole when she was running for Senate, and yeah. I mean, he grew right. up in... He was in the military, so, you know, at the... Right. Uh, he's in the Bob Knight school of jerks. <laughs> how how did it make you? F- We're going to do a little sidetrack question here. How did it make you feel when Bobby Knight started doing campaign events with Trump and supporting Trump? Was that just like it was perfect? John, we have a question from Chris. John, what is your first memory of David? Huh. I totally remember my first memory of you. This is going to be so bad. I don't really have a first memory. I remember playing basketball against David at his house. And he w- David and I are about the same height. I think, David, you might be a little bit taller than I am. But you are... Is this back when I had the... When the hoop was nailed to the tree? Yeah, yeah. And you were huge. Like, you're bigger than me now, but you were probably, I don't know, eight times bigger than me then in terms of... You were very... You, yeah, you were slender. You were very slender. Yeah, yeah. and I just remember... I mean, you di- were skinny as... Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was. I'm still thin, but I was really... <laughs> Your body was actually kind of incredible. Yeah. Well, I, that, that ties into my memory of you. So you go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so da- David... Okay, so we're playing basketball in my and backyard. And David just being huge and just, you know, backing everybody down, just like pushing, pushing. He was just impossible and so unfun to play basketball against so that's one of my first memories really we played basketball like every week for like four years every weekend we would play basketball there i don't think i don't remember playing too much basketball the uh, the other here's the other memory i have and i don't remember exactly i remember it just being like really fun no what what it really wasn't fun playing like remember my special shot my sky hook when i would go you know, like to the edge of where the yeah, dirt was and go on the grass. No, you were it. good. You had good, you were good. I, I more enjoyed playing like croquet and things like that. Oh, yeah. That, that was truly competitive. Croquet was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I want to say one thing for the record. It wasn't that I was so huge. It was just that back then I had this habit of wearing like three or four flannel shirts. Yeah. Like layer. I was really into layering back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you were and, huge and too, just, but then you also had all this padding on. I would wear a lot of shirts. Yeah, it, which was incredible. <laughs> Um, I remember one time we were, we were at a movie and we were going to meet you and we had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say this, but I couldn't remember if it was you or somebody else. Yeah, we else. couldn't find you. We were like, where's David? We had no idea where we were. We got there early and you weren't there and we were looking for you. And all of a sudden, and the movie had already started. <laughs> and the, yeah, the door opened in the back of the theater in this huge silhouette with just like multiple flowing shirts just was like standing there. And, you know, we were like, ah, oh, yeah, there he is. There's David. It was just clearer than day that that was you. The way it was described to me afterwards was, yeah, we, we, we saw you when all these shirts walked in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's my first memory of John Kimball. John, I don't know what this says about you in terms of conspiracy theories and politics, but I'm just going to put this out there. There was a uh, friend of ours in seventh grade. His name was Tyler. 
John, you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. He lived in your neighborhood. Yeah. And the first conversation I ever remember having with you was about our friend Tyler, who had a relatively unusual last name. And you told me that Tyler was a Russian communist. You were trying to foment discord in our social scene, and you ac- you were red baiting. You accused Tyler of being a communist. What? Now, you might have been joking, but I took it seriously. I was like, whoa, this guy's like... I don't remember actually if I believed you that Tyler was a Russian communist or if I thought you were being a red baiter, a McCarthyite, but that's my first memory of you. Do you remember no. that? You told me in the cafeteria. Dad. We had just started eating together, I guess, in the cafeteria. You were like trying to drive a wedge between Tyler. I'll tell you one thing, it worked. Who am I doing a podcast with? Not with Tyler. That is bizarre. I still know Tyler. He's definitely not a Russian communist. I had lunch with his dad a few weeks ago. I feel bad that I said that. I want to say one other thing about John. John's outfit in seventh grade was the greatest outfit of all time. First of all, John was eight feet tall and weighed 64 pounds. You were the skinniest <laughs> dude. You looked so incredible. And John would wear ramrod straight uh, Levi's jeans, kind of light blue. That was the style back then. We weren't trying to wear dark blue denim. It was all like a light blue denim. Yeah. Spotless beige chuck taylor high top chuck taylor all-star high tops and then just a t-shirt yeah that sounds right final question (laughs) john (laughs) do you remember what i wrote when i forwarded you this question yes you wrote um john is this the question we've been waiting for our whole lives it's from grant I work at a company that manages portfolios of weather-related risk. Basically, we sell protection to companies who stand to lose money if the sun doesn't shine, wind doesn't blow, or the rain doesn't fall. In some cases, we literally ride waves for profit. These days, a lot of the work is focused on renewable energy, and for whatever reason, we haven't seen much interest from the South. John, can you provide a little overview of electricity in North Carolina and the prospects for industrial-scale renewable energy? Go. Go now. Go, 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 go. Thanks for your question, Grant. You know, (laughs) okay, the first electricity in North Carolina was in Salem, which is now Winston-Salem. It started in 1881 was when they had their first thing. And that spread pretty quickly across the state and various municipalities had their own electric companies. Eventually, we had two huge companies in Carolina Power and Light, and Duke Power, and they merged very recently and to form one of, if not the largest power company in the in the country. So, wait, what? Yeah, when did that happen? Uh, I think in the last five years or so. So, what's it called? It's called Duke Energy. Oh, yeah. But they North Carolina for that reason has always been known as a place where we have pretty cheap electricity compared to the national average. And that's why a lot of technology companies like Amazon, Google, Facebook have located their data centers in and around the state of North Carolina because of that that advantage that North Carolina offers. But in terms of renewable energy, North Carolina is actually a leader in in this as well, in particularly in solar energy. North Carolina is the number two producer in the country behind only California in solar output. 
And a lot of that development has come from a tax credit that was offered uh, by the General Assembly, where you would get a 35% tax break on your state income for individuals and businesses in terms of the, the, the cost of installing solar. Unfortunately, is that really true? Number two after California? Yep. Is that per capita or just actual like kilowatt nope, hours? That's that's not per capita. That's actual. Yep. Really? North Carolina? Yep. I know. It's pretty impressive, right? New York sucks <clears throat> compared to North Carolina. Unfortunately, yeah. anyway, sorry, go the on. conservative General Assembly, the Republicans have taken over recently and they have pulled back that tax break. So 2016 is the first year that we, we no longer have that tax break. So it, it we're not sure yet if that's going to hurt the development of solar. But North Carolina also has renewable potential in wind energy as well. I think, you know, when people talk about uh, wind power, they talk, they think about Cape Wind off of uh, Cape Cod and, you know, up in New England. But North Carolina has that type of potential off of the Outer Banks. And in the 50 or so rural counties in northeast, northeastern North Carolina has that as well. So, um, North Carolina is one of the top four or five in terms of potential for wind energy. Also, North Carolina has a huge renewable potential in hog waste because we have an 11 billion... Pig poo-poo. Yeah, $11 billion dollar like pig poo-poo power powered by pig poo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to annoy uh, no, Starling. So yeah, the $11 billion pork industry in North Carolina has the, the potential to benefit from renewable energy and um, through swine waste. <laughs> John, have you ever heard of this thing that Grant is talking about with weather prediction markets? Why, are, why aren't we doing that all day? Elections come but once every four years. The weather is forever. Well, it doesn't sound like they're... It seems more like weather insurance, right? Grant, please send us an email and tell us exactly what you do because we might want to work for you or we might want to do a podcast about your company. So get back in touch. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. John, guess what's happening on Wednesday night? You get three guesses. Go, go, go. Another debate. Let's talk about debate markets. I am in, will there be a handshake before the debate? I am too. I said no, and I bought 50 shares, and I'm, oh, I'm down. I'm sorry. I bought 100 shares. You bought 100 shares of no, that they're not going to shake hands? I bought 100 shares of yes. What? At 51 cents. So I'm already up 15 bucks. They're, defi they're definitely going to shake hands. I just hope they, they do it shake before. Hands at the well, no, they did not shake hands, and they were both roundly criticized. And, they, and then after the debate was over, they did shake hands. What happened to me? What happened to my golden touch? Everything I've bought is... is I bought this right after the allegations started coming out, and I thought, first of all, she hates him. Second of all, it's a great power move for her to refuse to shake his hand. It feels like it would get under his skin, throw him off his game. Third of all, he said after that second debate when they didn't shake hands that he wouldn't have shaken her hand, that he didn't want to be in her space, right? Fourth right. of all, I assumed that more and more allegations would come out where any female voter would consider it a, a sellout gross move to even touch his hand. Now you're telling me they are going to shake hands? Well, I was with you. I thought they weren't going to shake hands at first, and I, I bought 100 shares at, at 39 cents. 
And then when it got to 49 cents, I got out. And I just started thinking about it. And I said, I think they're, I think they're going to do it. I think they got to do it. It's good, it's good for democracy. It's just polite. It's, um, it's what you do. I bought shares that they will not shake hands. New investor, Starly Kine. Hot new player on the predicted.org markets. I can't believe you're trading now. I felt left out. But I only think the word markets and the specific action markets are fun. I only enjoy betting on those. They're so risky, though. I mean, it's just we don't have any analytics to back up whether there's going to be a handshake or not. Whereas if you're you're betting on the presidential, we have polling and all, all these other things, but I felt, w- which I bet on the still could be wrong. But I feel like I don't need I didn't need outside information to tell me what I think is going to happen. I just don't I can't imagine that she's going to touch him. Like I think even though they were both criticized for not shaking hands. She, it's more of a stance for her to take to not do it. I think it's a strong statement on her part, and she could risk a little tiny bit of backlash versus the wider support she'll get for not going near him. And I feel like this is the third debate. She's had enough. She's feeling good. Enough with the protocol. Yeah, I totally agree. She should definitely not. Hillary, if you're listening to me, Secretary Clinton, don't touch this asshole. Don't shake his hand. You'll look tough. You'll get under his skin. You'll make a statement about this is a man who doesn't deserve to touch women, okay? He's so gross. He's like a bog monster. And also, John's over here talking about like, oh, they have to shake hands. It's, it's a protocol of democracy. Donald Trump's going around saying the election is rigged and telling people to basically intimidate inner city voting polling places and places where black people congregate to nefariously exercise their franchise. This guy is already undermining so many tenets, not only of what is acceptable within political discourse, but what is acceptable in terms of, 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 of our faith in, on, in these democratic processes in the largest possible sense. No way should she touch him. I want to say one more thing about this. The thing that's so gross about the Trump campaign is how far he's been able to carry this just based on the fact that he is the nominee of one of two major political parties, which which buys him so much kind of legitimacy, even though there's so many people in this country who think this guy is uniquely unqualified, he's a total maniac, he might be mentally ill, he might be on drugs, he has no knowledge or interest in anything other than himself, he's undermining people's faith in democracy, he's the worst, he's an outlier, he never should have been here. But now he's here, he's a candidate, and so when he's on stage in his suit talking about stuff, it kind of it legitimizes him in a way. And what she has to do by refusing to shake his hand is be like, no, this guy is not a legitimate political candidate. And so I am not going to treat him as one. I, he has never afforded anyone, basically, in his life the dignity of being another human on this planet, right? He doesn't, just, he doesn't believe in other people's worth enough to treat them decently. I mean, maybe he does in private or with his wonderful children or with his employees or whatever, but certainly nothing in this democratic process. Is he, he's never treated anyone with respect. So why should she reach down, literally reach over to him, reach down and lift him up to the level of a fellow candidate on an even playing field where you both get to listen, where they both have something interesting to say because they're both standing behind a lectern. She should totally just freeze him out. Plus, if she shakes his hand, I'm out $30. I mean, that's going to kill me if they shake hands. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see if you guys are right. <laughs> I, I, well, thank you for listening to our theories. Well, I, I don't see Hillary as a real risk taker in terms of her campaign style. I mean, if you want to look at a lot of the hacked emails that have come out, you can see the way the campaign runs. I think they, they're pretty conservative. And, and, and also, I, I think at this point, it's like it, you're in the game, you're up. This is where people start to slow it down and not try to take too many risks. He is in a position right now where he can't play it conservatively. He's got to go for it. She can just run out the clock. You know clock what we're talking him. about right now? We we're talking about Dean Smith earlier. You know what it's time for, John? Time for four corners. It's time for four corners. Hillary Clinton's got to bring those four corners, start playing four corner style, and that's totally what she's doing. If I was Hillary Clinton, I wouldn't even show up for this debate. I mean, she has to because it would be a bad look if she was the one who skipped it. I mean, it would be amazing for the predicted.com, for predicted.org portfolios, if she was the one who didn't show up for a debate rather than Trump. But yeah, she's got to run out the clock. She's got to just get the ball to Phil Ford and let Phil Ford be at the top of the key and just run those four corners till that clock runs out. Yeah, she run the four corners and then look for those backdoor cuts and then take your shot there. So, I mean, you know, people think that four corners is all defensive, but it, it actually had an offensive capability to it. You're, you're running out the clock, but you're also frustrating your opponent. But if opponent. her goal is to frustrate the opponent, that's an argument for her not shaking his hand. I think she's going to do it. Everyone who listens to this podcast and is invested in this handshake market, as soon as that debate starts up, I want everyone to tweet out whether they won or lost money and how much. This is the hashtag, EPM handshake, okay? Because we'll know instantly... Whether, whether we're making money or losing money, I better make money, but I have a, I'm starting to worry I'm going to lose money. But my pledge to you is I will not change my position in this market. So the hashtag is EPM handshake, debate night, Wednesday night. As soon as it happens, just tweet us the amount that you won or lost. Let's move on to this other market. Will a UNLV debate moderator or candidate mention John Podesta? Again, I bought this in the heat of the moment. I'm sitting on these 40 shares, bought at 55 cents. It's trading at like under 40 cents. I'm getting clobbered in this market. I have 40 sell offers out at 80 cents. I'm hoping that there's one more round of crazy bullshit Podesta WikiLeaks misconstrued emails that'll increase the chance that Trump or a moderator will mention Podesta, especially because the moderator is, what's his name? Chris Wallace from uh, Fox News. What do you think about that market, John? Yeah, I think yeah, I think he's going to say it. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. All right. And then what other markets are you involved in for the debate? Uh, I am in, will the moderator say rigged? And oh. I, I say no. Really? I could see him saying, uh, Mr. Trump, there's been chatter recently about the possibility of a rigged election. Oh, man. I, I put in... I put in an offer at no for 27 cents. It was trading at like 29 cents earlier today, and it's now trading at 53 cents. Oh, <gasps> I got greedy. I tried to name my price. So, yeah, I don't think I think they may talk about the election being stolen or the legitimacy of the election. Is he going to say the word rigged? Though <sighs> these word markets, but that's what makes them so delectable. He could say it. But at at this price, now I'm not, not as sure if I buy at this price. 
John, we've been uh, we've been getting a lot of positive feedback about one of our listeners and his audio messages. I'm speaking, of course, of this uh, man in Gainesville, Florida, named Satchel. Yeah, Satchel. We've decided after much prayerful consultation, we are not going to be able to come to Gainesville, Florida, for election night. But we do appreciate your kind offer, ladies and gentlemen. By popular demand, here you go, Satchel. The Satchel Trap Remix. Everybody calls me Satchel. Everybody calls me Satchel. Boom. Boom. Satchel. Boom. Boom. So, yeah. I'm telling you, that's, that's like, that's the, the best, that's, okay, that's the best moment in podcast history right there that was like that was like the highlight i mean i've listened to every podcast that's ever been made david i'm a little worried about john that was the best double band best moment in podcasting ever so yeah because you can just see mike he's just like he just seems a little disengaged disenchanted he's just like bam like blows like bam bam double bam bam what are we going to do to bring John back around? Is it just a phase, you know? That's exactly what that guy said, and you got all freaked out. I don't even know crazy. what you're doing anymore. Collecting intel. intel. I'm worried about John now. You really start messing with my head now. You know, I'm just sitting down here. This hurricane's coming up through Florida. Oh, gosh. That car just pulled out yeah, right in just, front of me. You know, I just sit around listening to election profit makers all day over and over. That's exactly what that guy that? said. Boom. I'll go out on the streets and stuff. That's so, exactly what yeah. that guy said. That, that, that's exactly what that guy said. But David Reeves, man, that, that thing you did where you said everybody who comes in gets a 100% discount. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm having an employee meeting, mandatory, you know, where I tell them, like, if they come in and they say election profit makers, you know, we got to give them a 100% discount. So... You know, I'm just hoping these people can keep their job. You really messed up my mojo right there, man. But just but just remember that you still have to ban all sponsors. You're supported by the people. I mean, maybe you guys are popular in North Carolina, you know? Maybe you're even popular in South Carolina. A little bit. How do people know, you know? Because you guys are, like, really good, man. You guys are, like, super pros. Feel bad that you probably don't have that many listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't use none of my you don't use none of my stuff anymore. But he's man, I come up with some good stuff because I know you guys still need money. We would love to see you in Gainesville. Yeah, I, I do have an Airbnb you can stay at. We'll do that. Yeah. You guys well, I don't I don't really have a lot of time right now, so don't take offense when they you know, I'm just saying you probably don't have a lot of, of fans, you know. I got it, dudes. I got it. If you guys just make a podcast called Profit Makers Making Profits, you don't even have to make jokes. Just ask for money. You guys can make money. You're going to start getting money, man. You guys, it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme or pyramid scheme. But you can definitely stay in the Airbnb. All right. Thank me later. Satchel's Pizza. Um, best restaurant in America. Satchel's Pizza. Um, we actually... <laughs> Satchel's Pizza. We actually have 15... Michelin star. Yeah, I mean, I'm there, man. I'll put you on the calendar on the Airbnb. In closing, I will I will have to admit that Election Profit Makers is the absolute best podcast in the world ever, ever to be made. Everybody calls me Satchel. Everybody calls me Satchel. So, yeah. I can't wait for this fucking election to be over. I'm so exhausted. 
I mean, the sad thing about this election is we kind of never really had a real election. Do you know what I mean? Like, we never really... I was talking to my friend the other night, and he said he was reading a tweet or an article by a political scientist, and he was like, you know what? If you're interested in actual policy, this is one of the most boring elections of all time. Mm -hmm. And also, I feel like I'm probably carrying around some kind of weird psychological trauma that I'll have to deal with afterwards. Just the fact that this guy was like running to be the president of the United States. I mean, um, let's do a health update. I haven't been exercising. I feel like I'm I feel like I've put on 15 pounds. I uh I mean part of that was cuz I went to Portugal and enjoyed some of the finest seafood of all time and ate a lot of pastries, but some of it is just like I think not, I haven't been healthy. My wrist hurts from holding my stupid phone all the time, looking at Twitter and and tweeting out garbage that doesn't make a difference. I mean, I kind of do it because kind of just scratches that itch of trolling Trump supporters or just being a goofball. But but my wrist hurts, you know, like I hurt my wrist. My wrist is hurt now for like a month. I haven't, I haven't shaved. I mean, part of that, you know what? I'll say this. One of the reasons I haven't shaved is because Harry's razor, your, your damn razor broke and it didn't work correctly. So I'm glad you don't sponsor this podcast because I hurt myself, I hurt my face with one of your razors and then I just stopped shaving. So I have a beard now. I need a haircut. How are you doing health-wise, well, John? Well, I, I need a haircut too, but I, I have one scheduled for this week. I haven't shaved today. I'm not sleeping well for the same reason. I, I get on my phone and then the next thing I know, it's really late and I can't afford to sleep late. So my sleep is off. I haven't been to the gym in weeks and months. And, um, yeah, my stomach started hurting this weekend. I thought, am I, am I getting an ulcer? Sucks. We should all sue Donald Trump. John, when I come home to North Carolina for Thanksgiving, the election will be over. You and I are going to go to the gym and we're going to lift so hard. We're going to put on the most jamming music of all time. Some of the hottest club tracks and we're just going to spot each other and we're going to bench press it. And we're going mm-hmm. to work out all our pent up election rage and aggression and frustration. Okay? I, I'm into that. I am so looking forward to not having Donald Trump on the front of my thoughts and just thinking and talking about Trump all the time. I want the election to be over and I want to be thinking about weather weather markets or you know getting ripped again yeah we're gonna get totally shredded we're gonna get totally ripped we're gonna be ripped in 2016 that's it for this week's edition oh wait no it's not we are gonna try to do a post debate wednesday night special edition with minimal editing and no prep so we hope to have that up Wednesday or Thursday. Anyway, we'll talk to you very soon. Time is running out. The election's almost over. We want to give you so much great content that you can't even you can't even handle how much content we're giving you. Say hip hip hooray for election profit makers. The most wonderful podcast. You'll miss us when we're gone. So that's it for this edition of Election Profit Makers. We hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks as always for your questions, comments, donations, and concerns. You can send all of those things to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Let's all go around and say who we are. My name is David Reese. I'm John Kimball. I'm Starly Kine. And we are the Election Profit Makers. The Election Profit Makers. The Election Profit Makers. Oh, Starly, come on, put some fire in. Think about that money you're going to make. And we are the, the Election, election Profit, Profit Makers. makers. <laughs> oh, man, we should do car commercials. We should start, we should start producing car commercials for podcasts.